Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. We are going to deal with one of the quintessential constant topics that come up when dealing with scaling a business, moving from startup to revenue, and moving out of the solopreneurial trap, and that is team building. It's great to say, oh, all right, so I'm going to stop doing it all myself, and I'm going to get a team. I'm going to hire four of everything and just delegate everything. Okay, that's how you waste your money. (laughs) Uh, Let's say you have a W-2 situation. So, all right, I'm going to draw an org chart and I'm going to fill each one of those spots. Okay, that's how you get turnover. So what we want to cover today, whether we're dealing with virtual team members, whether we're dealing with contractors, whether we're dealing with your W-2 types, your 1099s, what have you, I believe a lot of the quintessential issues are very similar across the board is how to connect with your team and produce better business results. This is something that's been very near and dear to my heart for almost 25 years. It goes all the way back to when I was pursuing my MBA in human resource management with my goal of becoming a training and development director for a Fortune 100. It was all about dealing with this issue right here is motivating and connecting with teams because I recognize that that is a main ingredient in the secret sauce to producing better business results. And with us today to guide us through this conversation is a returning contestant to the Business Creators Radio Show, Meredith Bell. Let me tell you about her. She's been an entrepreneur since 1982, and she's an expert, excuse me, an expert in helping leaders and team members improve the way they communicate with each other. Meredith is the co-founder and president of Performance Support Systems, a global software company based in Virginia. Their award-winning assessment and development tools are used by business consultants, leadership coaches, and human resource professionals to support ongoing improvements in performance. Meredith and her two business partners have worked together for 30 years, and many of their clients have done business with them for more than 20 years. Meredith is also the author of two books and host of the Strong for Performance podcast. So we're also excited to announce that she has released her latest book or is about to release her latest book. She'll clarify on that point in a second, which is called Connect With Your Team, Mastering the Top 10 Communication Skills. I'm getting excited here. This is one of my favorite topics. Meredith Bell, come on in. The weather's fine. Oh, Adam. Yes, it is in Virginia too. Great to be with you today. Yeah. Is that book out? Yes, it has right. been out since uh, late in last year, 2020. So, uh, yes, I'm excited to talk with you about it. Well, aside from uh, dy- dystopian fiction, uh, reading about team building is one of my favorite topics. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 so, and sometimes I wonder if there's a reason why I correlate those two in my mind. But anyway, uh, it's been a while since you've been here, and I know that we uh, want to get caught up here a little bit, and many of our listeners have cycled through since you were last year on Business Creators Radio three, four years ago, however long it was. So I want to ask that same question again, because I have a feeling you'll answer it differently. Uh, Aside from everything in your official bio, which is so impressive, I'm not sure I am worthy to be here, and it's my show. uh, Tell us a bit more about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion, making a difference for your community market and audience. Thank you, Adam. Uh, Yes, things, you know, as entrepreneurs, things are always changing, aren't they? Uh, Part of the definition, I guess, is they don't stay the same. So early on, I uh, 
became a consultant and trainer with companies because I felt one of the key areas that we create so many problems is this whole area of how do you interact with other people? Because we just don't get that in our educational system, unfortunately. And so people grow up not really knowing the best way to give somebody feedback, to you know, establish agreements, just so many things. So I uh, started out uh, in training, doing uh, workshops for leaders and team members and then met Denny Coates and uh, Paula, my two business partners in yep. 1990. And Denny and I were both consultants doing training at the time. And in 94, we were looking for a tool that didn't exist uh, it, in terms of what we needed, a 360 feedback tool for leaders. So we decided to create one. And at that point, decided to become uh, a software company instead, not knowing anything about it. So I should serve mm-hmm. as a you know poster child for anybody that is among your listeners who wonders, can I do this? Uh, nobody was less qualified to do, you know, have a software company than me. And what was interesting, uh, as we have, you know, evolved our company over time, we've created another tool for that's an online development tool all around this whole theme of people getting along with each other, people communicating with each other. And last year, with the pandemic, we decided to write books that would help bring some of this knowledge, this expertise that we've accumulated over all these decades in book form. And so that's where Connect With Your Team was really born. It was wanting to reach large numbers of people because we know in the workplace that a key reason, the number one reason people leave is because of their immediate boss who is not skilled often in communications and is not uh, a role model. And we want to change that. We want to get rid of the pain, the suffering, the unnecessary drama that's in place in so many companies, large and small, because of this inability for people to really connect with each other. You know, it's funny you mentioned the immediate boss. Uh, In my contribution to the book Journeys to Success, the Millennial Edition, my chapter is called Two Dates with Destiny. And one of the dates is April 27th, which is the anniversary of the day that I was asked to resign uh, from a company where I had probably the worst boss in history. I mean, it probably makes the whoever the other bosses in Dilbert look like geniuses who care. And mm. I don't care who says, here's that. And then I've also told the story about how um, a, you know, after I finished MBA school and I got the entrepreneurial bug, I had a side hustle and I was, you know, taking a diagonal approach in the company I worked for for almost two years because I couldn't quite decide which way I was going to go. And then uh, one day in November of uh, 2004, uh, it just this one day became very plain due to something uh, what a complete dolt my boss's boss was. And she's just an absolute moron. Uh, and, you know, I don't, I don't care who hears me say that. I hope, I hope she tunes in. And the reason I'm, uh, reason I'm, you know, saying these things that may sound so visceral, like, oh my goodness, are you really saying that on a business podcast? Uh, are you thinking about, yeah, as a matter of fact, I am. And the reason why is because this is what a lot of people are thinking. They just don't vocalize it. I am their voice. Yes. <laughs> you know, Adam, you have just nailed it because there are so many stories of, yeah. of and bad I, and, bosses. And if I may, and if I may, the good bosses stand out too. I can tell you um, that uh, one of my bosses was so awesome. He actually influenced three of the subchapters of my book, Groundhog Days, an event, not a business strategy. They're based on things that I learned from him. Uh, there was another who, uh, and actually that book is dedicated to two of my other bosses who, as I like to say, they seem like diametric opposites on the surface, but they actually had a lot in common once you got to know them and understand them. And in both cases, their lessons to me did not actually arrive until long after they had passed out of my day-to-day life. 
So I, I want to. So yeah. I just want to. So I just want to interject there in a way where people could tell it was an interjection before I hand this back to you. That the good bosses matter too, and they can have an impact that also goes far beyond. Um, I just know with our initial conversation, we were dealing with the bad bosses and how they cause turnover. So I wanted to give a shout out to the awesome bosses out there too. I'm so glad you did. And you know, Adam, I think one of the key things for people to take away from our conversation today, before we even get into the nitty gritty, is so much of what you just said in terms of the contrast between the good and the bad and what makes them so Aside from what their specific communication skills are like, so much of it has to do with their mindset and their approach and attitude about other people and how to treat other people. Don't you think that's really the foundation of everything? And in the case of the uh, two bad bosses I mentioned, um, believe me, treatment of other people was something that they thought that they were absolute geniuses at to the point where they couldn't stop talking about how great they were uh, where it was an indicator that they were actually probably among the worst. It's like when you, it's like when you call tech start, tech support and they end up transferring you to somebody and they say, this person, they're the rock star. They're going to fix this in two seconds. And that's how you know that you've just bought yourself 12 more hours on the phone because it's about to get worse. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, what you're bringing up is also a very important point, which is what somebody declares or states as a skill for them really has to be tested against what they do, you know, and, and what actions they take, how they really treat other people. Words are cheap. Words are hollow if they're not followed by uh, actions um, and interactions that demonstrate they really care. I'll, t- I'll take mean words over genuine concern versus nice words and lack of concern any day. Well, you know, what you're really getting at is that, that, this... that, that, that's a little bit binary, but the fact is that uh, there are people out there who are not necessarily the nicest, kindest people out there, but I trust them because I see their actions. There you go. That word trust is key. Uh, and, and you know that you can trust somebody when they do what they say they'll do. And, uh-huh. you know, it, it's true. They don't necessarily, uh, you know, walk around, uh, you know, on, on eggshells, egg afraid to speak up at all. People who are strong leaders and strong performers, really, are willing to be direct. They're going to stand up for themselves and they're going to speak with clarity. And I think right. that's really the key. Am I being clear with this other person about what I need or want from them? Because I think so many entrepreneurs, we can get into trouble when we think we've explained something and we make assumptions that the other person got it, but we don't check. We don't oh, get yeah. agreements with them that, yes, uh-huh. we're on the same page. Oh, I've seen. Oh, when I when I hear when I hear the phrase, I explained it once. I have a it. It took me a while to figure this out, but I have the I have the perfect, in my opinion, reply to that. I said, "Well, you might have explained it. Doesn't mean you were any good." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a it, 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 it. And there are other phrases like that, like uh you know you don't have to be original to be good uh so if somebody says you have a lack of originality i don't have to be original to be good uh there's also uh another one that i'm completely forgetting about oh yeah yeah when they say well we've always done it this way and i i love when i hear that because i say somehow despite that you've managed to you've managed to hang in there by now by the thread you're on <laughs> even, even if that's not actually the case I'll put mm-hmm. it that way to make them stop and think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, so many times entrepreneurs are, well, we outsource, um, you know, certain functions or we bring on team members and it's, you know, it, there's sort of twin skills here. There's a combination of skills and one of the key skills, in fact, it's the first skill we talk about in our book connect with your team is listening. 
because too often we are jumping to conclusions. We've got such busy minds, you know, we've got our own thoughts going. And so we wait for the other person to finish so we can jump in or worse, we interrupt them and, you know, want to make sure they know what we think and what we want to say. But listening is actually a very interactive skill because you're constantly needing to check with the person if you actually are hearing their message correctly. Are you really understanding what they're saying? And that's at the basis of reaching agreements that both people feel are fair. And when I say agreements, I don't mean just, you know, legal written documents. I'm just talking about projects, you know, and deadlines and weekly activities or daily activities. What is it we're agreeing to do? And checking with the person to make sure that this is realistic for them. Because, you know, if we haven't created an environment of trust, Adam, and and I think that's an important theme, how are we, you know, what are we doing? What am I saying or doing that's creating trust with this person as opposed to undermining it? And a key thing is simply asking about, here's what I need, here's what I need it by, here's what it needs to look like. Is that doable for you? Can you commit to making it happen by this date? So that we get that other person to point out any concerns or issues they may have that we might not know about, instead of giving them an arbitrary deadline and saying, okay, I need this Friday by two. In my, in my book, Groundhog Days, an event, not a business strategy, I deal with this. Obviously, you have a book. I have a book. So maybe we can read each other's books. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, the whole thing about uh, arbitrary deadlines, uh, I ask, what is the dependency? I mean, because a deadline means not, nothing. If there's no consequence to you as the person who owes a deadline, if you missing that deadline is not going to, in any substantive or tangible or meaningful way, inconvenience or slow down anyone or anything else, then it's really just an op- optional suggestion. However, mm-hmm. however, if the person knows that I'm going to use the most simple example out there, uh, we, need, we need to have the videos up on the website by Friday because the press releases go out on Saturday. That is a deadline. Mm-hmm. that the person who owes that deadline is going to be inspired and probably excited to deliver on for two reasons. Number one, they will know when those press releases go out and it brings in activity for the business that they played a role in growing the company. And second, they're going to know that they came through and people could depend on them which is the opposite of I really let them down. Because the other thing is people don't like to be seen as having let others down. Mm-hmm. So you give it a dependency. I, some people use the word consequence. I think that there's a connotation of the word consequence, although they do exist. I like the term dependency because it show, because you, know, you depend on someone. You rely on yeah. someone. That's altruistic. Mm-hmm. Well, and another word that's good is accountability in the yeah. sense of you can count on me. Yes, And I really like that. Um, They're they're really getting at the same thing. And when you're looking at that, depending on you, you know, that also inspires someone. I'm depending on you to get this done. I need you to let me know if anything starts to get in your way of that. So we can knock that out of the way. So this one thing definitely gets done because, you know, sometimes Adam, people are afraid to speak up. And say, oh, I'm not sure I can do that because they've got other things going on and they don't they don't share what that is. And yet the consequences, you say, of them not coming through then has a really negative impact. So I think clearing the way and stating what you need from the other person and checking to make sure they can deliver that. And is there anything they can think of that might present any kind of obstacle. So you can help them, you know, we're in this together. I can help you, you know, knock that off your plate. So this stays on as the number one thing. Okay. This just occurred to me. And this is where the whole idea of connection is important. I've gotten feedback on the business creators radio show because we've done 
topics on um, hypnosis. We've done things on resonance repatterning. How we did an episode where I shared my stories of having conversations with dead people. See, this stuff that, you know, these little things that happen in our upbringings that happen along the trajectories of our life, you know, those, usually the clue to know that this actually matters. If somebody says, don't dwell on it, it doesn't matter. Or grow up and let it grow up and let it go. It's not that important. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you candidly. I had an experience like this about three months ago with one of my longtime clients, uh, one of my top clients actually, where uh, you know I uh, had uh, well, candidly I dropped the ball on a couple things. And when it came down to it, the reason I dropped the ball on it and let it run late is because I had lost some files he sent me. And even though I had no reason to be afraid of him, because he's one of the most kindest, most understanding people that I've ever known in my life, I was afraid to tell him that I didn't download those files. Mm. Okay. Uh, you want to know where that comes from? Yes, I do. A lot of, lot of things, because uh, we all have these buildups. But when I, but when I, when I did a, a meditation exercise and a visioning exercise around that, you know, because that doesn't make sense. I mean, this he's a cold dude. He would have he would have completely understood if I'd have said, sorry, I I guess my email got ahead of me. I missed that file. Can you send it again? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I have a memory that lingers with me. And this happened uh, when I was in middle school of me being on time for something and having somebody who wasn't even there come up to me and say, you should have been there 20 minutes early. And if I ever hear about you being not less than 20 minutes early again, you're going to get your ass beat. And then turning away from me like I didn't matter. This was not one of my parents. This was a teacher. Mm. Because I was on time for something rather than early. Mm. So can you see mm-hmm. how even these things that we think that we've moved on from? I mean, I, I, I forgot about that after it happened because it was some random person. I, I don't even know the person's name. I didn't know it then. They're just some random idiot. So my, my defense mechanisms were to bury that. Mm-hmm. That must have been unearthed as a result of something else that happened to me somewhere within the time frame of a few months ago, where peeling back one layer caused that to rise again. And it manifested myself in being afraid to tell one of the best clients that anybody could ever have that I lost the file. Can you please resend it? Mm-hmm. What a powerful story, Adam. Yeah. And I think it's worth you know, all your listeners reflecting on times when they hesitate to speak the truth to someone else, you know, and what Uh holds them back from doing that. Because one of the most powerful ways to really connect deeply with someone else is when you have made a mistake is to take ownership for it quickly. Like, you know, you, that was where you had issues with doing that. But yeah. too many times we're afraid the other person is going to respect us less if we apologize. I had, I had, no, I had no reason to fear him, especially right. for the number of times he's had to ask me for something 20 times. By mm-hmm. now, if he tunes in, he knows exactly who he is. Uh, so um, <laughs> I'm not going to say any more than that. So that's the, that's what it is. But uh, due to something unrelated, um, a repressed childhood memory came back and indirectly got in my way. Uh, yeah. And that memory was triggered by some jerk who I didn't even know then, uh, probably just some pompous ass wannabe assistant principal in charge of discipline who thought, oh, there's a little kid. I'll push him around just to show that I'm a tough disciplinarian. Well, and you know, Adam, what you're pointing out is the power that other people's words have. Yeah. And so, you know, when I think a guiding principle for all of us is 
to ask ourselves before we say something to someone else to think about how can I communicate this in a way that is as uplifting of this other person as possible, even in the face of them making a mistake or if I've made a mistake. Yeah. Because one of the things that, you know, we have to recognize, and I'll tell you uh, something about my own insights about myself that I've realized that I bet you is true for many of your listeners. And that is when I find myself the least tolerant of someone else's mistakes and the most critical and judgmental, it's time for me to take a step back and do the meditation you're talking about, because I need to ask myself, what's going on with me that's causing me to react this way to this other person? Uh Because it really isn't about them. It's about me at that point, something that's going on with me that I need to take a look at because everybody needs these affirmations needs acknowledgments about their value as a human being. And I'd love to tell you this story about Bill Glazer, since we both have known him so well, way back in the days yeah, of, yeah, of I, GKIC. I, I, um, I, know, I know Bill a little. I've met him and had a couple conversations with him. And it's just like over the past 10 years, give or take. I mean, I went to a couple of events in a row and it got to the point where he knew my name just to put it in sequence. You were probably closer to him because you were more involved with the GKIC stuff. Well, what was interesting that I want to make a point about is every single person we run into has this deep need to be recognized and understood, no matter how outwardly successful they may appear. And so Uh, And what happened with him was that I had gone up to him um, at one of the conferences and pointed out some things that I really appreciated about what was going on there, because I have run events, you've run events where, you know, you get criticism all the time for one thing or another. Oh, I I used to be involved in event planning. You don't have to tell me. uh, Exactly. (laughs) So I made a point to go up and mentioned some specific things that I was particularly enjoying or that I appreciated they did. And, you know, he said to me, Meredith, can I get you to call me every day? You know, you're so positive. You make me feel so good. (laughs) And my point in saying that is not to, you know, shine a light on me, but just to let people remind people that everyone needs this positive feedback. So if someone makes a mistake and you need to bring it up to them, it's, it's possible to do it in a way that actually comes across as supportive because you acknowledge also the good things they do that you appreciate it. It's not one-sided. And so it's accepted more easily. They're less likely to get defensive and make excuses or justify their behavior. When you can say something yeah. like, you know, usually Adam, you always get things to me on time this one time it was delayed. And so this is what happened as a consequence. So I just want us to get back on track. And what is it I need to do that can support and help you in the future? Well, yeah, I, I, that you're absolutely right about that. And, uh, you know, going back to that little story I told, uh, that it seemed, wow, that was really irrational that I would be totally irrational. That I'd be worried about that. And on the surface it was, and then when I realized that it stemmed from something coming back from 30 years ago that, mm-hmm. my, that my mind had completely suppressed and uh, it was just a manifestation of that. It's like, okay, now I can not only understand what happened here, but this is one more boomerang for the past I can now deal with so it won't hit me in the head again. Yeah, in all, li- in, all, in, all, in all likelihood, in all likelihood, because mm-hmm. uh, maybe dealing with that one uncovers something else. Goodness gracious only knows. That's what I that's what I refer to. Uh, yeah. Wow. OK, so. With all that having been said, you know, we want to think about, um, you know. When you use the word irrational. And I'm using a lot of verbal pauses here because this is going to, this might hit some people like a boomerang. To say something is irrational is to make assumptions about other people's truth that is not yours. Mm. 
I've been told that my trypanophobia is irrational. That's fear of needles. Uh, and I've seen definitions of the word trypanophobia that use the uh, that use the the adverb or the adjective or the adverb irrational. Really? Do you think that I want to get lightheaded and faint because somebody tells me they're going to need to draw my blood or give me an injection? Do you think I want that? Do you think I manufacture? Do you think I? Do you think I consciously and intentionally manufacture that reaction? Of course not. Do you believe that this is something that I can just be a man about? Whatever the hell that means. <laughs> so how is that? So how is it irrational to me that I can? lose consciousness over fear of being injected with a hypodermic needle. How's that irrational to me? Well, it's something, you know, it's something, it's something I live with. If I know that I'm going to have blood drawn or receive a vaccination or a shot or something like that, I need to know a week in advance so that I can uh, begin doing exercises to mentally prepare myself for it. It takes that long for me to get through it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Adam, I think you're bringing up multiple points here with that one example. Yeah. Um, and one is the word irrational can come across to someone as it does to you, of course, as judgmental. You know, it's like, how are you, why are you judging me about my reaction when you haven't lived what I've lived through here? Uh-huh. And I think that what you're really getting at there is, um, others, we need to show others empathy so that we try to understand what it's like to be in their shoes, even though we're not standing in their shoes, yeah. but to be able to express to them, I get you, I understand. So to be able to respond to something like you're saying with, oh, you know, it, it must be kind of scary to um, be told you need to have blood drawn with the reaction you've had to that over the years. Yep. So that you, as you're listening to me say that back to you, after listening to you, you think, okay, Meredith was listening to me. She got what I was saying, but she's not judging me for it. Yeah, and, there's, and there's, something there. there's something there. There's something there. Exactly. I, I know the roots of it. I know the incident that set this whole fuse off and I still struggle with uh that there were people in the room when this happened who claimed that it didn't mm. and I, I and I believe that uh that they possibly repressed that memory just like I repressed that memory of that teacher yelling at me for having not even done anything wrong just having not been super enough for his exalted expectations which he didn't even know me so he had no expectations of all you know forget that guy but anyway uh it's possible that just like i repressed that and you can see the energy that's behind that because that you know that was a that was a repressed trauma mm -hmm. that uh they may be repressing what they saw happen because they could not believe that our family doctor would act the way he did that day mm. Well, and what you're bringing up is a really important point that, again, everyone needs to give this thought, and that is our perception of what's going on in a given moment influences how we remember it and, and what we take away from it. And everybody is that way. And so we could all be in the same meeting and somebody says something that uh, an, one person takes offense at and others say, well, that wasn't so bad, but it all has to do with our, our history that we bring to right. any given moment. Right. And so that's an important thing to take into account whenever we're trying to get along with someone else, or we're trying to work with someone else. Another thought that I'm having that um, I think could be useful for people if you think about someone you work with or even live with who yeah. gets on your nerves, you know, there's certain things they say or do that just really bug you. 
And, and I had someone like this um, some years back. And I remembered a tip that I got from Dan Sullivan with strategic coach. He was saying that he goes through this exercise, the word appreciate has multiple meanings. And one of them is when we think about investments we make or real estate we invest in, we expect it to appreciate and go up in value. And so he makes a conscious point before he meets with someone to appreciate them in his own mind related to their value to him, to the organization. And by taking the time to do that, when he actually meets with them, he has this gratitude attitude about them, even though he may not say to them overtly, hey, I value this, this, and this about you. He has a demeanor that says and communicates to them, you count for something here. And so one of his purposes is to have them increase the value of themselves in their own mind. And if you have that as a motivation in your interaction with someone else, how can I leave this person better off after our conversation than before it? That really impacts what you say to them and how you say it. Right. Precisely. And this is why I argue there's no such thing as the truth. There are facts that we can uh, we can prove uh, through any form of method that is applicable. But truth is formed by how we view the world through the, the combination of our own education, experiences, what have you. Which is why you've heard me use the phrase in even this conversation, their truth or your mm-hmm. truth. I also, I also make the point that uh, three people, you, you made the point about several people in a meeting. Uh, some of them get offended and one person doesn't. And the one who says it says, whoa, what was so bad about that? Okay. So let's mm-hmm. say, let's, so let's say we put those, that same group of people on a polygraph and we ask them the question, was that comment that person made offensive? Some are going to say yes. And some are going to say no. And a few might say, I don't know. They could all pass with flying colors. Mm-hmm. Because polygraphs don't fact check. Right. They test, they test for signs of prevarication, which means that you are actively doing something to conceal, obstruct, or redirect, or in mm-hmm. some other phrases along those lines, because it affects your physiology when you are saying something that contrasts with your own truth so if i candidly believe that the earth is flat and that is my truth and i believe that and somebody asks me under under uh, under a polygraph test is the earth is the earth round and i say no that'll come up as truthful yes mm-hmm. so we're almost uh, 40 minutes into this and this is probably a little bit of a different turn and some of our listeners were expecting maybe a little bit of different conversation than you, Meredith, were thinking. But what I liked about the way this turned, and you know, this is you know, not traditionally the type of conversation you hear on a lot of business podcasts, and for that reason, that it's sometimes the things that un- they're under the surface that we may get pressure to just move on from or grow up or or drop it, or what have you, but it's, it's little boomerangs right yes. beneath the surface that come out and whack you in the head, and then you wonder why training programs don't produce long-lasting improvements in performance. So <laughs> why else do they not do that? Let's see if we can get through some of the points you want me to cover here today. Oh, that's okay. Um, well, one of the things that we have to recognize is that when we get exposed to information, whether it's through a book or a podcast or a training program we attend, that in itself doesn't mean we have learned a skill because the real uh, test of it is, can we use it? Can we actually perform that skill? And that requires actual rewiring of the brain from the way we were doing things to the way we want to do things. There's a gap because especially when it comes to 
those interpersonal skills, but even in a sport, you know, if you've been playing golf or tennis and hitting the ball a certain way, and now you hire a coach who's going to show you a new way or a pro, you don't just overnight improve. It takes practice and practice. And that reason is your new way of doing it is competing with that old established way you had. So you have to practice. And as this relates to your listeners, one of the key things is if you recognize there's some behavior you've had that's been getting in the way of others' success or others, you know, producing as much as they might, and you want to change, the first thing you can do is let them know, communicate, you know, I want to get better at this. And so I'll give you an example with Paula and Denny and and, and I are, you know, being business partners for so long, uh, it's like a good marriage. You've got your ups and downs. You've got times you got to work through things. And when we have interrupted each other at times without meaning to, you know, step on anybody's feet. Um, And in particular, Denny years ago used to interrupt he used to finish sentences and we said, you know what, this is not working. I, you didn't know what I was going to say. And I don't appreciate you jumping in and trying to save yourself time by finishing my thought. So we worked out a system where we simply said, I'm not finished yet, or please let me finish. And that was a support system for him to become aware, oh, I interrupted again. I didn't mean to. And now it's kind of a joke because all three of us, you know, will do this with each other at times. If we're brainstorming, we're under pressure, we're talking fast about some things. And we just simply say, hey, I wasn't finished yet, or I'd like to complete my thought. And we do it. And and immediately, whoever was interrupting or jumping in backs off and says, oh, sorry, we don't take it personally. And that's one of the key things that gets in the way is our egos can cause us to want to react and defend ourselves. And if instead we just say, oh, okay, I, I didn't realize I was doing that. Thanks for pointing it out and move on. And I think that is one of the big things in business that we have to be willing to do to not be so concerned about saving face, but instead be open, recognize, hey, I'm not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes and I want to encourage other people to approach me. So if someone brings feedback to you about something you've said or done, do the thing that sometimes feels counterintuitive. Thank them, apologize, and make a commitment to improve in the future and ask for their support. Say, hey, thanks for letting me know about that, please. Make it make me aware of it if I do that again, because that is not something I want to do. It's contradictory to my values. It doesn't align with how I want to treat people. So please let me know. Inviting others to safely talk to you is huge. All right. So basically what happened here is, as our listeners know, the Business Creators Radio Show is from the field. And in this case, from the balcony. I had to mute for a minute because somebody wanted to show off that their car knew how to lay tire on the street that's a quarter of a mile away, and I could hear it. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, I, I, I know your car can lay tire. So can my Mazda 6 Grand Touring Edition. Don't You don't impress me. And that's a front-wheel drive vehicle. And I can burn some rubber with that thing. Please. Please. Yeah, I, I, I had a Camaro once too. I may be getting another one. I know they can lay tire. I get it. All right. So anyway, uh, you know, one of the things we did cover here is you know, early on in our conversation, this is what part of way, the magic of the business creators radio show is we end up covering a lot of the points in the form of what sounds to the listener, like a private mastermind is, you know, we did have some conversation on how to help people stay on track with commitments. And you gave us some great tactics for that. And you also uh, gave some examples of an approach to take when uh, you need to give feedback to someone whose behavior is causing problems. You gave an example of that just a moment ago. So I know there's much more of this in your book, and I encourage people to buy it. I also want to cover a couple other key things. In your estimation, Meredith, we are over 30 years experience in this work. What is the number one communication skill and why does it matter? 
Well, without question, listening, because it's the foundation of so many other skills like resolving conflicts or, uh, you know, receiving feedback from someone else. If somebody is trying to tell you something, if you're jumping in to defend and, and justify yourself without really listening, you're going to miss their message. Listening to me is the most powerful way to connect with another person. If you really care about the relationship and you want to, you know, help solidify it and strengthen it as opposed to tearing it down. Because when you can demonstrate, you really get another person. And this doesn't mean sitting silently, just letting them talk and talk and talk. It is interactive in that you're asking follow-up questions to make sure you're clear on what they're saying or not making assumptions about what you thought they meant, but checking to see if you really understood what they were trying to say or what you understood them to say. It's, it's so fundamental when someone feels like another person has really gotten them, it's amazing what they will do for you. It's a very practical business skill for building relationships, you know, with your team members, with your vendors, with your prospective clients, existing clients. It's just amazing when you can listen to find out what they really need and want, then you can respond in a way that demonstrates to them you've got the answers because you're responding in, with um, information that directly addresses what they've been talking about. Precisely, precisely. And I think that is you know, very important to consider. Now, some of this has to do with economies of scale. And depending on the size of the companies you work with or depending on the size of the company of our listeners, you may be thinking, all right, so we need to do some work with our training programs. We need to look at communication skills. And sometimes it's those little things that aren't technically work-related but are boomeranging out and hitting people in the head. Uh, getting people to stay on track with commitments. Giving feedback. How can a company economically provide this for everyone at all levels? And, and, and training budgets are a real thing. Believe me, I used to work in a training department. Yeah, absolutely. Well, our book, Connect With Your Team, we have an ambitious goal to get that in the hands of a million people because we know that's a key issue in the workplace. Denny has also written a companion book called Peer Coaching Made Simple so that people can work in pairs to help each other as they're working to improve their skills. Because when you think about it, Adam, you know, um, programs like the 12-step programs and Weight Watchers, they rely on people, you know, connecting with each other and having a support system. So we need to know that at least one other person is there for us, because as I mentioned earlier, you can't just overnight change a skill. It takes practice and it's really valuable to have a support system in the form of a peer coach or a partner, accountability partner that you're going to meet with on a regular basis, even if it's just for a few minutes to say, how's it going? How's it been working when you've applied this skill? Got any issues you want to talk about? And then the other person gets to do the same thing. That can be a very economical way to have people improve skills and stay on track with whatever it is they made a commitment to do. Cause you know how hard it is to stick with commitments. We oh, have yeah. great intentions. We can be super excited about it, but in the moment we can get diverted. If we know that we have someone else that's really check going to check on us, it increases our motivation to stay on track when we're tempted to veer off, off course. I think that one of the issues when it comes to commitments is uh, people may be in a situation where they want to give a realistic commitment, but they know that the commitment they're going to be able to give is not going to be something that the person receiving the commitment is going to be real excited about. For example, let's say there's something that somebody wants you to do that would probably take about an hour and a half, but you know that's an hour and a half where you have to be focused like somebody doing heart surgery. It's mm -hmm. not something you can, it's not something you can pip, pip, 
you know, pencil whip out or uh, sort of just gnaw away out while you're checking your emails and doing your DMs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you know that you need to do this on a day where you don't have a lot of phone calls or any. You know you need to do it at a time where since this may involve you needing to contact an external party such as their tech support or you know or something like that and any and, and it's one of those things we also know it's theoretically an hour and a half but this could easily go sideways and turn into a five-hour deal i need to know that i wouldn't be pushing too many other things away if that were to happen if this were to expand that way and you know that the next time that those uh, factors are going to align is going to be a week from next tuesday So mm-hmm. you want to just say, all right, well, I can do that a week from next Tuesday. And oh, by the way, here's the reasons why I need to schedule this out. And uh, I can even pre-block the entire day right now in case the worst case scenario happens. And it's like, you'll get, oh, I don't know. Can't you just like do it right now? So you said it's only an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> they, well, they, yeah, so so they will... So they'll find themselves giving in to, uh, Um, well, let me give a commitment that they'll be more comfortable with. Yeah, I probably will have to stretch on this one. And then what happens? They try it and the worst case scenario happens and boom. Yeah, you know what you're describing there, Adam, is having clarity about what really are your priorities and being willing to risk the other person's disapproval with the time frame that is going to work for you. Right. And you know, this goes back to why do we not tell our truth to people? What are we afraid of? And so, you know, just saying, well, what's the worst that can happen if I say I can't do it until a week from Tuesday or a week from Thursday or 3 weeks from now? That's when I'm available to do it. And if that right. doesn't work for you, then I'm not the person to do it for you. You know, it's this is when I can do it based on other priorities that I have. And so uh, it's really important to ask ourselves, why would I be willing to commit to something that I'm not sure I can follow through on? I did. I have an entire webinar available for those and they can contact me and I'll show to them upon request where uh, I explain how I use simple technologies to create a system whereby I increase my accessibility even as I supposedly remove things that sound like availability. One of the linchpins of my entire system that involves using 10 different computers and forwarding softwares and everything else to actually make me very accessible, those I need to be accessible to, is I will never give you my cell phone number. You can't have it. You know, you cannot text me and no, you cannot go around my systems. Mm-hmm. I have, re- I have, re- I have sorely regretted every time I ever let anyone badger me into making an exception for them. I mean, those are like things I regret. Mm-hmm. And here's what it comes down to. I'm so far on the introvert scale. They had to create a new category way over there for me. <laughs> I need to shut down for long periods of time. So the premise behind is, Hey man, can I, can I get your cell phone number is the idea that they can ring me up anytime. Well, there, that is aside from it's going to intrude in the space that I need. It's setting them, it's setting them up for disappointment because yeah, they can text and try and dial direct all they want. But if I have the thing turned off, sitting on its charger for two days, mm-hmm. they didn't get any closer to me. Meanwhile, if they followed the process, I want them to follow could be that my assistant flagged their actual urgent issues an urgent issue and she used her around the corner way of getting a hold of me that doesn't involve my cell phone to say hey uh, Mary the so-and-so called and it sounds like they're having a real emergency over there can you look into this Mm -hmm. yeah so it's a matter of being able to and and I've gone to the point now where if uh, somebody tries to pull the old you know let's see if I can get a cell phone it's no complete sentence no (laughs) <laughs> exactly and uh and and, yes. and, I, and i've even gone so far as to say well i don't have a cell phone while i'm holding it so that's just that's just a small example of the importance of defending boundaries mm-hmm. uh, and in fact the more i defend those boundaries 
the better I can be of service to everybody because my systems actually improve the accessibility. You'd have to watch the entire webinar to see this. So as I said, upon request. All right. So uh, one final thing I wanted to ask you just real quick here is uh, if you could just outline this for us, you have a three-step process for mastering a new skill because I have a feeling our listeners are going to be ready to some mattress and new skills uh, right after this one. Yes. Well, you know, it's a very simple process. It's called focus, action, reflection. And it's that last one that really trips people up. So you decide what you want to focus on. And we recommend just one thing. Maybe it's a particular aspect of one skill, but don't try to be an overachiever and, you know, try to focus on three to five things at once. Just one change that you really want to make. And then... Look for opportunities to put it into practice, whether it's, you know, an interpersonal skill or the way you eat or the, you know, a sport you participate in, whatever it is, look for ways to use it. And then after you've had a chance to apply it, take a few minutes to reflect on how it went and ask yourself questions like, okay, so what happened and how do I feel about it? And why did it happen that way? You know, what did I say or do? that I'm either happy or not happy about, what were the consequences or the outcome, and what would I do differently next time? So this can be used either for a positive experience to cement it or a negative one that we don't want to repeat. But this process of just taking time to reflect before we take our next action, so we're not getting in a loop of doing the same thing and not getting the results we want. I think that's a great place for us to wrap up here, uh, especially for anybody who may be thinking about what boomerangs are coming at me from under the surface. They uh-huh. could be they could be driving this behavior that I even find myself laboring labeling irrational, but it actually is rational if I could only understand the rationality. And how can I uh, deal with feedback and commitments and communication? and improvements and you just gave us that three-step process for looking at that new skill and how to master it for those who are on the edge of their seat want to take this to the next level where do they go from here and what do they have to look forward to when they do well they can get the an ebook that we created based on our chapter on listening in our book and that is at our website grow strong leaders dot com slash free and they can download that ebook and they can also pick up a copy of the e- of the book connect with your team and the other companion book peer coaching made simple mm-hmm. they're both available on amazon okay awesome so i do encourage everybody to visit your website also uh www i think there's a www yes grow strong Mm-hmm. And I also know that you, uh, I just want to make sure you mentioned it because you gave us a few different options right there is I also know that you have, uh, you know, make sure they visit the uh, growstrongleaders.com forward slash free. Uh, I'm going to have to take, take up on that four-step guide. Yes. Uh, I think that it would be really helpful for people. And if they go to our homepage, growstrongleaders.com, we explain how those two books Uh, can be used together for people to work together and improve their communication skills. So overall, there's a very positive environment for people to have trust with each other and be able to communicate clearly and effectively. Absolutely. So Meredith Bell, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor, uh, an education and a journey Thank you, Adam. It has been for me too. I've loved the things that you brought up, your willingness to be, you know, honest and vulnerable about things that have happened to you, because I think that gives permission to your listeners to pause and think about what's behind their reactions to things that happen in their lives so that they better understand themselves and can respond in a way that serves them most effectively. That's exactly right. You hit the nail on the head. Okay. Thank you very much. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. 
Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.